Good morning. It is a real privilege to be able to speak to you this morning on the next part in our series on the letter to the Philippians. And this morning we're going to be looking at what it means to have confidence in Christ. Now, the letter to the Philippians is infused with Paul's own confidence in Christ. He's constantly using phrases like, I know, I'm sure, and convinced of this. But as I was reading the letter, I was really struck by the way that Paul talks about his prayer life. He is, he tells the Philippians what he prays, why he prays, how he prays, um, and he even testifies to the answers to those prayers. And I was just struck by the thought that you don't pray in the way that Paul prays unless you have unflinching confidence in Christ. So it begs the question, where does that confidence come from? And that is a question we're going to be looking at today. Um, first we're going to look at where it doesn't come from and then we're going to look at where it does come from. Um, as we probably all know, Paul, when he's writing this letter, is uh, a prisoner. Um, this isn't a new situation for Paul. He's been a prisoner several times since he came to faith in Jesus. He knows what it's like to be in a dark, cold prison cell, um, relying on your friends for food and for clothing, um, knowing that the likelihood of you being released is fairly slim. You'll either be waiting for your trial or execution. Um, thankfully, on the occasions that Paul has been in prison, he has been released, but now he finds himself um, probably under house arrest. And while this is a marginally better situation to be in, it's still not great. Um, Paul would have been denied his freedom. Um, he would have been under constant guard, he would have been bound in chains, and he would still have been reliant on his friends for food and clothing. He was probably also awaiting trial, which would likely end in his execution. And I can imagine that most of us would think that this is not a good, comfortable or privileged position to be in. Um, and yet here, fine, Paul finds himself. But despite his circumstances, Paul is finding plenty of reasons to rejoice. He tells the Philippians that because of his imprisonment, the gospel has become known through the whole imperial guard that his imprisonment is for Christ. And he also tells the Philippians that rather than causing the believers around him to go into hiding, it has actually given them more boldness to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, I really struggled to get my head around this at first. Paul finds himself a captive under guard unsure as to whether he's going to live or die, all because he's been obedient in proclaiming the gospel. And maybe some of us would think that a fair outcome for his efforts um, on behalf of the gospel would be to find himself in any other situation than this one. And if it was me, I might find it hard to take and begin to question what it was all for. But that's not what Paul does. And if I was one of the believers um, who had heard about his imprisonment, I might think that it would be worth my while to lie low for a little while, see how things turn out for Paul before I decide whether I'm gonna, you know, speak about my faith confidently or not. But that's not the case here either. The other believers actually find a new boldness to proclaim the gospel. 
And you just think, how can that be? Their leader is in prison, potentially awaiting execution. Um, and yet here they are being even more bold to proclaim the gospel. And I can only think that it's because they see how confident Paul is in Christ, that he has lost none of his confidence because of where he finds himself in. In fact, he is still being obedient to proclaim the gospel, otherwise how would it have become known throughout the whole imperial guard that his imprisonment is for Christ? They can see things are happening because of his continued faithfulness. They can see that lives are being changed and that the purposes of Christ are still going forward. So Paul's confidence and that of the other believers isn't shaken by the circumstances he finds himself in. If anything, his confidence and their confidence is actually being strengthened precisely because of the situation he finds himself in, because they can see that Christ is still working and his purposes are still um, being performed, they're still going forward. Later in the letter, Paul is more explicit in talking about our confidence in Christ, where it shouldn't be based, where our confidence shouldn't be placed. Um, and where it should be placed. Listen to this from chapter 3. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. As a Jew and a respected Pharisee, Paul had every reason to put confidence in the flesh, in his position, in his status, in his authority, in the esteem others held him in. He had it all, he was powerful. Yet he goes on to say this, but whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul had everything, and yet he gave it all up, and now counts it as worthless for the sake of Christ, for the sake of knowing him and being made like him, 
Instead of glorying in his own success and position, Paul now acknowledges that he is weak. And he allows God's power, not his own, to work through him. Where once Paul found his confidence in his own righteousness, he now knows that the only righteousness he has comes from God. And Paul wants to share Christ's suffering. He wants everything that Christ has to offer. And he knows that for this to happen, there's no place for him to put his confidence or his insurance in position, in privilege, in power, or even his place in the affections of others. Just let that settle for a moment. How easy is it for us to put our confidence and assurance in those things? in power, in privilege, in security, in status, in relationships and then for that confidence to be derailed when we lose our job or um, we lose a relationship that was important to us or even a pandemic comes along and changes life as we knew it. So then, if Paul's confidence doesn't come from the circumstances he finds himself in and if it doesn't come from um, his flesh, his status, his position, his power, where does it come from? Well, you see, the, the answer is actually really simple. Paul's secret is the way that he knows Christ. He really knows Christ. Paul loves Christ. He knows his grace on his life. He knows what Christ has saved him from and what he saved him for. He knows Christ's character. Paul's is a life that has been radically transformed by the power and the love of Jesus. Paul has made it his mission to know Christ intimately and that's where his confidence comes from. It's not a hidden mystery for us to tease out. Paul says it himself that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. It's what Paul lives for. And when Paul's thoughts turn to Jesus, he can't help but praise. There's a point in chapter two where Paul begins to talk about humility and what that looks like. And then he erupts into this praise prayer where you see so much of the character of Jesus in just a few short verses and it really reveals the depth of Paul's knowing of Jesus. He doesn't just know about him, he actually knows him and I want to know Christ the way that Paul knows Christ. One way of thinking about it that might be helpful is this. Uh, Peter and I have been married for nearly seven years, we've been together for nine years, but I've known of him since I was about three or four years old. Now when we were 11 and he was teasing me on the bus, I didn't have any confidence in him, I didn't know him and I thought he was frankly a little bit silly. Um, but as we grew up, as I got to know him better, as we entered into a relationship and then it really was my mission to get to know this guy, um, what his likes and dislikes are, what his character's like and how he feels about me, my confidence in, in him has just grown and grown. 
I know he loves me for me. I know that he has my best interests and the best interests of our family at heart, which means that when he makes decisions that I don't like, I know that he's doing it for our good. And I know that though there are times when he has let me down and disappointed me, his goal is not to do that. I feel secure in him and I trust him because I know him. I have confidence in him. But it's taken time and effort to get to know Peter that well. In a similar way, Paul knows Christ's character. He knows Christ's promises and the way that Christ views him. Paul has spent time and effort getting to know Christ and therefore has confidence in him and his love no matter what the situation. So how can we know Christ as Paul knows Christ? The answers I'm going to give, the suggestions I'm going to give aren't new, but they are important. We, need, we get to know Christ by spending time with Christ. Um, this, is, this can be through prayer. Like we said earlier, Paul had an amazing prayer life. He was always praying and God met him as he prayed. Paul did see physical answers to his prayers, but he also experienced God saying no. There's um, a time in one of his other letters where he talks about the fact that he has a thorn in his flesh and he begs God three times to take this thorn away. And God doesn't, because there's a lesson that Paul needs to learn that he wouldn't have learnt if God had answered his prayer and taken the thorn away. Paul didn't allow himself or his confidence to get derailed by this seeming um, non-answer to prayer. He carried on praying and because he, he's a guy who prays and then waits for the answer and accepts the answer, he has got to know the character of God and God's will really, really well. In making requests of God, in talking to him, in sharing our heart with him, and then in taking the time to wait and to listen, God reveals things to us that we may not otherwise have known. And another way we get to know Christ and his character is through engaging with the Bible on a regular basis. The Bible is the primary way we get to know Christ, what he's like, it's our blueprint, it's our authority, and it is food for our souls. I just want to make a brief segue um, here to encourage you that you can engage with the Bible in many different ways. I know that it's easy to think, oh well I can't find um, the 45 minute quiet time that is expected to really read the Bible and actually um, I struggle to read so reading the Bible isn't for me and when I do read it I don't understand it. Um, but let me encourage you that there are many ways to engage with the Bible. I specifically chose the word engage and not read because you don't have to sit with the book in front of you. Uh, for me, quiet times are non-existent these days with a busy toddler and the exhaustion that comes with pregnancy. So um, I've downloaded the YouVersion Bible app on my phone which has loads of different audio versions. And though my preferred way of engaging with the Bible isn't listening, 
I prefer to read. Um, I put the, the audio version on my phone when I'm playing with my toddler or washing up um, because it's really important to me that I know what the Bible says about God so that I can get to know him better. And it doesn't happen every day and not everything goes in but at least some of it's going in and at least it's happening some of the time. Um, and my prayer is that I would know Christ better through engaging with the Bible. Um, another quick encouragement about Bible reading, a member of our life group said recently that she has found freedom from this thought that she had to sit and read the Bible for 45 minutes in a quiet time by realising that she can use the things that she loves to engage with it and for her that's moving her body. So she'll take a couple of verses and she will put movement to them so that she can take the time to meditate on them and to memorise them. And she can do that while she's around at home. She doesn't have to find a special quiet time to do that. And I just found that so encouraging and wanted to share it with you. And if you do struggle to understand the Bible when you read it, let me encourage you that the, the goal of reading the Bible is not to gain more knowledge about Christ. It's to know Christ, to know God. Um, and the Bible says of itself that it is God's God breathed. It is living and active. So even when you're engaging with it and you're not understanding it, let me encourage you that God will be working in you through his word to transform you. Um, and on a practical note, if you don't understand, don't be afraid to ask someone for what they think chances are they might be able to give you an insight that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So in, in brief, the, the Bible is a primary way that we get to know Christ and his character and there are many different ways to engage with it. You don't have to find that 45 minute perfect quiet time to do it. Um, let that be broken off you have fun with trying to engage with it in new and different ways. That, and another way we get to know Christ is by testimony. Paul is constantly testifying to the Philippians about what he's seen God do, what he, who he knows Christ to be, um, what the answers to his prayers have been. And we are privileged to be in a church where there are so many different ages and stages of faith. Um, there are so many people that we can learn from through their testimony about what Christ has done in them, for them and through them. Um, so yeah, I would encourage you to um, give testimony yourself about what Christ has done, but also seek out the testimony of others. Ask other believers around you, what has God been doing in your life recently? Because the chances are that they will be able to um, show you a different facet of Christ's character um, that we haven't experienced. And I just think that is really, really amazing because we get to know so much more through the testimony of other believers. So, God uses all of these things, prayer, scripture and testimony, to reveal himself and his will to us. 
and in so doing he transforms us and increases our, increases our confidence in him. In chapter 2, Paul says that it is God who works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. And what does that mean? Well, I think it means, at least in part, that as we put time and effort into knowing Christ more, God will make us more like him so that our desires reflect his desires and our lives reflect his life. In this way, we end up on the same team, going in the same direction. We begin to want the things that God wants and that in turn causes our confidence in Christ to increase because we begin to see that no matter the situation we find ourselves in, no matter how weak we feel or the struggles we face, we know enough of Christ's character to know the depth of his love for us, that it hasn't changed. And we also come to realise that this life isn't all about us, it's actually about honouring Christ and making him famous. That's what Paul knew. That's why he could rejoice in his imprisonment that, um, he, that he, it had become known throughout the whole imperial guard that his imprisonment was for Christ. And it's what the believers around Paul realised even as they saw him imprisoned for his faith. They realised that it wasn't about their comfort or yeah, that it wasn't about their comfort, but that it was about Christ's glory. And that purpose was still being carried out and the gospel was still advancing despite and even because of Paul's imprisonment. So this caused their confidence in Christ to increase because God's purposes hadn't failed. So to conclude, Paul's confidence comes from knowing Christ, being transformed by him and having his will aligned to that of Christ. It doesn't come from the circumstances he finds himself in, be they bad or even good. And it doesn't come from any earthly thing or confidence in his own ability. In the same way, our confidence is to be rooted in the person of Christ who we know him to be, the spiritual, not the material blessings that he has given us. Grace, adoption, salvation, peace, hope. And also knowing that the ultimate purpose is making him known. When this is the case, I really believe that changing circumstances, suffering, changes of status or relationship, cannot affect the confidence we have in Christ and that we will really know, as it says in Matthew 28, that he is with us always until the very end of the age. Amen.